You're listening to The Loke Show, presented by Smartling. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Loke Show. Gavin and I are so excited to have our guest today, Joseph Kovalov, who is the tech localization expert at Wix, um, who's a customer of Smartling, and and Joseph is just an absolutely brilliant um, and and seasoned expert in the industry. Uh, We have so much great stuff to talk about with Joseph, everything from machine translation to transcreation to uh, tech-enabled workflows. You know what? Let's just get right into it. Joseph, welcome to The Look Show. Joseph, it's great to have you here on The Loke Show. How's Hi. it going today? Oh, it, it was pretty tough. I had a lot of meetings today, and my internet connection was unstable because we had some uh, I, uh, internet service provider problems in my area. And uh, I was scared because I wasn't sure that it will be normal by the time we have the interview because I could postpone all the meetings, but I definitely didn't want to miss our meeting today. Sounds good, Joseph. Gavin here, everyone. Uh, and again, Joseph, just to, to re- reiterate what Adrian says, you're very, very welcome. Thank you. Yeah, the, uh, the work from home challenges, the saga continues. We have you know, internet outages, we have dogs barking, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, everything that you can think of. Children, I suppose. Yesterday, it was my, it was my uh, four-year-old with the team tune to Paw Patrol on repeat in the kitchen, which is two doors up. <laughs> so I think everyone I was on a meeting with yesterday heard the team tune for Paw Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, be ready, be ready, because my dog can also bark. My wife uh, is out with him now, but when they come back, you will probably hear some barking. Dogs are welcome on the Loke Show. My dog Fitz has made many appearances, uh, you know, through audio, not just on the Loke Show, but webinars and other events. You know, it's just part of the life. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were, um, Gavin and I were both really excited to talk with you, Joseph, because you've got a, a pretty interesting background in the industry and, I guess maybe we should start there. Tell us about you. Tell us about your your pathway to the industry of translation and localization. Okay. Uh, I uh, has been in the industry not as long as Gavin, for example, not 25 years, but 20 years for sure. Uh, I started as a <clears throat> full-time translator uh, right after uh, getting my MA in translation. Uh, And then uh, I became a project manager in the same agency. It was a small local agency in Ukraine. Uh, After several years, I realized actually that I want to do this uh, my way to to create my own agency. And uh, for some years, I had my small uh, but successful agency, translation agency in Ukraine. Uh, and we worked in uh, different fields, with, uh, mostly with Slavic languages. Uh, and everything was uh, going well uh, before uh, me and my family, we decided to move to Israel from Ukraine. <laughs> so 
yeah, in 2011, uh, after first 10 years uh, of being uh, in the language industry, I moved to Israel. It was a kind of downshifting. Uh, I, and I continued as a freelancer here, a freelance translator. Uh, we lived uh, in uh, the southmost city, a uh, town of uh, Israel uh, on the border of the Red Sea. Uh, and I uh, combined, you know, work and pleasure uh, and had some rest after the pace of a big city I used to live before. Uh, then when I felt that I'm ready to move forward, we moved to Haifa, to the northern city of Israel, and then I find this, uh, my current uh, job at Wix. So this is, in general, my path past in, in the industry. So 20 years of different fascinating roles. Background. Uh, yeah. Fascinating background, Joseph. Amazing. Tell, tell, us, tell us about your, when you started your own company and what were the challenges of, of setting up that and what did you learn about the industry that you that you've, you still use today, being an entrepreneur and, you know, setting, setting your own. You know, I, I, the main thing that I understood that being a good translator doesn't mean uh, being a good businessman. <laughs> it requires different field. Many translators, many successful translators that want to uh, expand they think about becoming an agency or running their own company. Not all of them has understanding of the business processes. And this is an issue. Uh, some, some of them, yes, some of them become uh, successful company owners, successful company managers. Others fail. I can say if I failed or not. Uh, with my company because I decided to uh, to close the company uh, for other reasons because I wanted to change the country to move the country and I didn't uh, didn't know how the things would go here so yeah so the main 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 uh, uh, takeaway of this uh, running a translation company is as, as running any other company it's yeah. all about business it's all about business processes. Yes, it's good if a company owner, company management understand uh, translation processes, understand what localization is, if they come from this background. Uh, but main main thing is to be uh, really good in business. Did this quick follow on to that? This might sound like a, like a strange question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you think do you think it's easier for someone like a translator? or someone who's never been in the business before to start a company? Do you think a translator starting a company um, who's empathetic to the translator's journey sometimes is not uh, equipped to position a company for success? What's, what's your take on that? Uh, I, I see what you mean, Gavin. I see what you mean. Uh, I would say that having, having a background uh, uh, in the industry is definitely a big plus because yeah being empathetic yes but also you know the weak weak sides of uh, of being a translator a freelancer or a project manager and you understand where you can interfere where you can improve 
uh, your uh, vendor skills, how how you can communicate with them. Yeah, what is the best way yeah. to communicate with them? What you need to teach them? Uh, what uh, problems they may face? Because uh, uh, people are, um, people learn from each other. Yeah, and if uh, if you can learn from your uh, uh, from your contractor, from your uh, from the company that works with you as a as a freelancer, you can learn from them, and also then they they should learn from you. Yeah. That's that's the point. But definitely, it's not a must. I, I think I know successful. Uh, company owners that come from the uh, language uh, industry that have a translation degree or were freelancers uh, or translators themselves. And they know successful uh, companies that are owned uh, by people that came from, from absolutely different uh, industry. So it depends on, uh, on the manager or the, on the owner, uh, him or herself. Fantastic. Yeah, I, 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 we, we come across a lot of people who either were uh, individual translators working in small agencies, doing it freelance, and then moving into the client side. Tell us a little bit about what your role is like at Wix and how long have you been at Wix? Okay, uh, Wix, uh, uh, at Wix, I, uh, I've, been, I've been for two years, almost three years with Wix. And I started also as a freelance translator with them, uh, as a freelance uh, localization. And uh, we don't have the word for that, for localization. <laughs> freelance translator, yes. And then uh, this was my first job in uh, such a big company. So before I worked in small agency, had my own agency, freelancer, and this was my first like giant. Gen, uh, corporate environment, and I was a bit uh, frightened at, at first because I was almost forty by the time I I, I, I decided to apply for a, for an in-house position. Uh, so yes, I started as a freelancer, and after six year six months, I understood. Hey, I want to work for this company. I I want to to try. And I applied for a, there was an open position just for me and just good for me. And I applied. So, and for two years and a bit now, I'm, uh, I'm a full-time, uh, full-time employee. And what and, does your, what does your role look like, Joseph, on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. Uh, I started as a writer, writer for knowledge-based article, like translating a knowledge-based article for the Russian market. And uh, slightly, I mm, shifted to uh, improving uh, localization processes in the team, uh, supervising uh, KPIs, uh, checking uh, the ways to improve the flows, uh, also dealing with um, with machine translation projects and uh, and uh, and uh, some. Stuff like this, and uh, this is very very exciting because I found myself I found myself in a completely different role after all this year, a person who uh, thinks about processes, who optimizes processes. It's very exciting with the tools we have now. 
it's 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 really cool with smartly actually yeah the we'll we'll have to hear a little bit more about how you thought about the tooling of your localization program i think um well actually maybe we should just jump right there i mean what 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 have you done like what what does your localization program look like who's involved what what sort of solution have you have you built so that you can get to your market as quickly and effectively as possible um you know my um my idea is actually to see where we can uh have quick small improvements yeah not to interfere with the current localization proce- uh, process to let people work continuously and um to make small tweaks uh into in the processes uh to have uh, uh have better uh have quicker uh uh time to market and um to let people uh work uh more efficiently like uh, to see which uh process which uh, localization process requires uh, um, uh improving upgrading like uh which tools we can use uh like uh, in smartlin for example we have a lot a lot of uh settings a lot of uh, uh opportunities to improve the flows uh for outsourcing for internal writers for connecting uh with the intern our internal tools uh, via api so this is something i try to uh, to map i try to map uh, the small small imperfections we may have in our processes and to improve them what 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 sort of priorities are there for the localization and team within wix and and how how are they how are they set or how are they how are they developed those priorities look uh, we have uh, several localization teams at wix mm. uh, we have a knowledge based localization team it's it's a separate team we have ux localization team actually it's a separate team we have marketing localization team all of them have uh though we have some common priorities in terms of markets uh, we want to deliver content to uh, uh in the first place but every team has uh, their own priorities indeed first of all we think about giving our users uh the most updated content as uh, fast as possible yeah our priority is our users because if they open uh, if they read an article uh, a knowledge base article in, in our help center we want the, uh, we want to make sure they take those steps they see in the article and do what they want with their website mm. uh, for what they need for their business so yes uh keeping uh keeping the content updated uh uh, uh providing instructions for the new tools we have uh, first of all for the for the priority markets uh, not all the tools are equally not all the tools are equally um, uh valid for all the markets yeah so we identify what market we want to to provide with the content first 
Uh, and uh, we see, we, we balance those priorities on, and, and adjust the priorities on a daily basis. Uh, uh, indeed, localization has their own priorities. UX localization department and marketing department, they have their own priorities. Uh, for uh, there are there is a group of people decision makers who decide uh, which markets they want to ex expand to. It's uh, it's a different team. Yeah. So there are a lot of a lot of dependencies, a lot of uh, this uh, uh, stakeholders involved in this. One of the attributes that I I've always been fond of when it comes to the industry and the role of translation and localization is how dispersed the role has to be, or or how much you have to collaborate with other stakeholders in the business because it does touch and impact people who are in marketing, people who are in documentation or product development. Um, not all roles require that type of intense collaboration across different fields. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The, the collaboration is, in, is really intense. Communication skills in our profession is very, very important, are very, very important, uh, as well as the soft skills. You know, you need to, to be apt to uh, start working with new tools uh, as fast as possible, to master new tools uh, all the time to communicate with different people who speak different languages and not only languages in terms of, uh, of Spanish or English, in, uh, people who speak uh, uh, development language, programming language, uh, they speak people who speak marketing language uh, and you need to find the way to bring your message to them. And it's uh, because people come from different background, they speak, uh, they use different terminology and even in one company, in one company, it sometimes takes uh, it, it, it takes time to uh, understand each other. It's very important. The communication skills are very important in uh, in our industry. I guess it's it, it's not only in our industry, indeed. But yeah, and being successful in in, in that in in that space, I mean, how has what you're doing in your team impacted? Uh, from a from a kind of holistic view of Wix, the success of the company. Um, how have you driven Wix to that? You know, to a wider audience through through the localization program. Uh, Wix is a content driven company. Definitely, we have many writers. We have uh, many uh, copywriters, uh, English writers, UX writers. We have a huge uh, localization team, global localization team. And uh, definitely, content is one of the is one of our priorities uh, because uh, you can't uh, build a website, you can't manage your business uh, if you don't uh, have a clear a clear UX copy, mm. a clear UX copy or marketing copy or a knowledge based copy. They uh, facilitate user journey, uh, and uh, definitely, definitely, they are one of the most important part of, of, of the conversion process in this yeah. in the in the conversion funnel. So uh, a lot of uh, um, a lot of time and forces are 
directed into the uh, 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 writing and localization uh, processes. Well, for, as, a, as a follow-on to that, Joseph, um, how do you think about getting people to Wix.com? In, in specific regards to search engine optimization? Like, do you have specialized writers who are writing in-market content to increase your, your organic search results? You know, I, I, I can speak for the marketing, uh, for the marketing department, definitely. Uh, but uh, yes, we have SEO experts and they work closely with the writers, define strategies, but what I should stress, we write copy for people, not for uh, search engines, not for bots. Our primary goal is to have a clear copy with our tone of voice uh, for people to be able to read it and to get what they need. Mm. And then SEO comes uh, to the scene as an additional the additional um, uh, like value, uh, value added uh, element as uh, so yeah I, I, I can't, uh, can't tell you what can't explain you what you asked because I'm not from that side of uh, of the company but uh, definitely uh, we write for people write for people and not for the search engines and I'm always very interested Joseph in, in What's the measure of success in your team? How do you know if something has been successful or how are you measuring uh, you know, your typical localization project or, or, or program? Um, what are you looking for? Mm, success. Um, you know, for success is very... The notion of success is very blurred. Yeah. Uh, who is successful? Success is the writer who performs well, uh, continuously successful. Yes, he or she is, uh, they are successful. Uh, they deliver uh, uh, steady KPIs. They are successful. They bring something new to the team, some innovations, some good ideas, something that is uh, uh, all the team uh, members can use and uh, improve their efficiency. Yes, they're maybe a bit more successful. So the success is different. And we can't, we can't tell uh, that uh, a person is not successful if they bring less to the team than the others. They do their job. They perform well. They create clear copy. They are successful. So... Uh, I think this is uh, something that to be very we, we need to be very careful uh, with when we uh, use the word success. You know, uh, I have I I know there are guys who uh, present themselves as successful translators. Uh, wait, guys, success is something that is measured by uh, by others. And not, I, I can't come and say I'm, I'm a successful person. Yeah, I can, but you know, let's be honest. Success is, has some very, very different aspects. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. I mean, it, 
the measure of success means so many different things to so many different people in so many different contexts. I, I, I absolutely, absolutely agree. Absolutely. No, agree. and pursuing success uh, maybe is already being uh, this notion of successful person is being overestimated, as, as I think. If you do what you like, if, you, if you're happy what you have, you're successful. Even if you don't have a fancy car or a penthouse, but you're happy, you're successful. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, for company, for, for company, yes, indeed, we have KPIs, we measure them, we try to, to improve people's uh, efficiency, to, we constantly, constantly uh, uh, teach people. We have uh, some learning courses, we have some uh, uh, content professional developments program, indeed, we do. Yeah, but it's 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 not a success. It's not a, you know not about success. <laughs> it's about performance. I think. Of course. Well, one of the the reasons why we wanted to speak with you today on the Loke Show is that you've written a pretty comprehensive review of different platforms on the market that have a trans creation tool. Mm-hmm. I was hoping that we could spend a little bit of time just. Just um, better understanding, like, how did you even come to write this article and, like, what inspired you to write the article and what were some of the, what did you discover when you, when you wrote it? Uh, what, um, first, why, why transcreation? Because uh, when I, as I told you, when I uh, started as a freelance translator uh, after moving to Israel, I worked a lot uh i translated a lot of marketing copies and i worked as a transcreation specialist transcreation expert for several uh, uh european and uh, american agencies uh and uh, also with my colleague uh, she's amazing also my colleague uh, katya filatova she's well known in our industry uh as a transcreation expert we uh, presented at several conferences. Uh, we taught people uh, on transcreation and marketing translation. We had webinars. We have a group. We had a group uh, on Facebook called Pro Transcreation, uh, where people uh, can ask questions about transcreation, marketing, copy translation, mostly uh, into Russian. Yeah. So yeah, I was in transcreation for many years, and. I felt that the way uh, uh, LSPs uh, manage transcreation projects are not the, uh, uh, the way is not is not the optimal one. You know those uh, uh, Google uh, Excel t- tables, uh, some docs, many versions, uh, lack of uh, translation memory, use glossaries, n- nothing. You just yeah. Transcreation is a, is a creative process, but it requires resources. It requires uh, being able to check the background, uh, to check previous uh, uh, the terminology that company uses, to understand the tone of voice. So, yeah, I knew that there, there is still uh, a lot of improvements to be made in the transcreation management process that would be beneficial for clients, for 
companies, for LSPs, and for translators themselves. So uh, in 2019, uh, I took part in uh, the UTIC uh, conference in Ukraine, where uh, the guy from Bill, Bill Filkin was there, and my colleague uh, uh, Katya Filatova from the transcription field also. And we discussed the question, if we can actually use a CAT tool or translation management system tool in a transcription process. So this is the first time this dialogue started. And after some time, I saw that two companies, yeah, almost at the same time, uh, presented their uh, solutions. And yeah, I, was, I was thrilled. Only two years passed uh, after this conversation, and we already have already two tools on the, uh, on the market. And I was, I was interested in checking them, comparing them, and seeing if this is actually something I was thinking about back in the times when I worked as a freelance transcription uh, expert. So that's how that article uh, came to life. Well, we should probably then in a moment talk about what you're predicting for two years from now so we can get started. But uh, before, we, before we get into the two-year vision, um, Transcreation, maybe Gavin, why don't, why don't you give a, a brief overview of what transcreation is from your point of view and what are some of the complications that are inherent with the transcreation process? Yeah, it's a great question and something that's been debated over the last over the last number of years. Some people define it uh, transcreation of you know the uh, comparison of getting a brief rather than a source word and uh, understanding the client's um, want in their ambition, the client's brand, and having someone up from it from a from a translation point of view be an advocate of that brand or be an ambassador for that brand or be an actual content creator for that brand. And um, I think one of the key areas for that, and one of the uh, things that we really need to understand is who's working on it. Transparency into the supply chain, I think, is hugely important for transcreation. And it's been lacking uh, for, for, you know, a lot of the times it's lacking. You don't understand, you haven't built a rapport, you don't know who's actually working on your content. So I think companies that are being more successful from a transcreation perspective offer that transparency into the supply chain, offer that link between, um, you know, brand creator and brand ambassador from a client perspective for, to a supply chain or to a, to a translator perspective. So, yeah, there's, there's lots of interesting things that are happening in the space. And as Joseph alluded to, the, the, the tools that are on the market. But I think at its very core, at its very essence, is um, giving the ability, giving the foundation and giving the, um, the knowledge to the, to the person working on the brand uh, and having that link between client and uh, person creating. Uh, because there's a lot of trust that have been, that's been put into uh, you know, people who are working on your brand and clients need to feel comfortable on who's doing that. Yeah, um, uh, it's a good point. Uh, really good point, and uh, I would like to add that uh, when uh, people talk about transcreation, creative adaptation, yeah, 
many of them think uh, that this is kind of, uh, you know, poetry translation <laughs> when you need to wait for inspiration to do it. In the real life, inspiration is indeed a big, a big help. But first of all, it's a huge research work on the brand. And not only this, the, the brand you work for, but other brands, the situation on the market, the situation on your market, yeah. checking the competitors. You, want, you don't want to create a copy that, uh, that uh, already has been used by, uh, by the competitor for some years. Yeah. A, a slogan. Yeah? You, you need to, to do a huge research work. And that's why the, trans the fees in transcreation are high because it's time-consuming and not many people are ready and know how to do this research work. Yeah, and a lot of, the, a lot of our, the supply chain I talk to or, or transcreators I talk to, to that point, go as far as saying it's around 80 to 85% research to 15% actually writing and, 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 and transcreating. Yeah. Uh, so it's a really interesting, it's an interesting um, uh, statistic and one I think that rings true. Yeah, and, and here when, when, when you actually start transcreating, you, you need the inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, I, I definitely buy that statistic as well because when, when I'm creating source content, that is creative. It, it does not just come to me. Like it takes a lot of time, a little bit of trial and error, um, and, and a lot of thought to, to, to sort of come to a, even just creating source content. So it makes total sense that when you're transforming it, 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 it would be a lot of thought and research prior to the actual writing process. So Joseph, when you, when you got into the evaluation of the different tools, what were some of the things that you saw that you thought were encouraging and what were some of the things that you felt were outstanding uh, um, encouraging for me is the fact itself that the industry uh, is doing something to upgrade the transcreation uh, management process and uh, I think that what Gavin told about uh, the transparency in this process can be achieved also through or through the tools uh, that uh, that are being created now and being fine-tuned now. This is encouraging, uh, and also looking at the uh, numbers of uh, uh, of the demand for transcreation copy. I understand that we the industry will. Uh, face shortage of transcreation experts soon. And uh, facilitating the transcreation process, helping uh, uh, the experts and managers to do their research part of the job, uh, maybe also through those tools, like maybe plagiarism check or uh, using machine translation for back translation. It's a... Uh, uh, like uh, helping, helping in small, in small, with small tweaks uh, to facilitate this process will free up time for translators and also for managers to uh, do more of transcreation uh, uh, work and full uh, and uh, uh, sorry, 
because demand is growing and uh, yeah. yeah. That's what I was going to say. I was, I was, I was going to hover on, one, on, on the point you made there, Joseph. Do you think because demand is growing, uh, there's not there's not a supply to match the demand from a transcreation perspective? Or do you think people or translators do not want to do transcreation because of the huge task involved in the research element? Um, I know that people, some People, uh, we, we talked. Uh, we talked with my colleague, with many people after our presentation at conferences, uh, when they asked us uh, if this is, uh, if it worth actually the starting uh, working as transcreation specialist, uh, or rather they would, uh, or rather they would continue doing their regular translation mm-hmm. assignments. They are afraid not of the amount of work it requires. They're really afraid that they are not talented enough uh, for uh, creating a, a meaningful and selling copies. Okay. So people don't believe uh, that uh, that they are good enough for this. That's that's the problem. Not not the amount of work, uh, as as I see it from uh, uh, from my experience. And how 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 do people? get beyond that or how do we get beyond that as an industry um what do we need to do to ensure um our our our, our translators want to become and feel they can become trans creators um yeah talk to them <laughs> yeah 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 explain them actually because if they don't, uh, not all of them understand that 95% or 85% or 90% of the uh, job is research, actually. And it's uh, less about inspiration and real creativity, but research. Maybe this will change something in their uh, view of this, uh, of this kind of work. Yeah. Uh, and uh, tell them uh, that, first of all, uh, you will be here with them. You will be here to help them when they start. Uh, that there will be a peer review, uh, a, a person who will check their copy afterwards and give valuable advices. Uh, feedbacks are very is a very important part of uh, of uh, translation process. For me. Yeah, getting feedbacks from like not the pure criticism, yeah, but real feedback, yeah. and only with feedback we learn. And letting people know that you're here with them to provide feedback, help, and uh, help them understand uh, the process itself to make it transparent and clear will uh, can help uh, them to take uh, these kind of assignments. Got it. Yeah, I think I mean makes makes a lot of sense to me, and you know a lot of the the attributes that you're talking about, I think, have been built into the SmartLink DNA for many many years, and that. Having that, as Gavin mentioned, the accessibility to the to the translator, the trans creator is mission critical. Having the ability to directly communicate with that person during the job, um, all all extremely important. Not only for trans creation, but for yeah. general translation as well. Um, so that all of this is great, uh, Joseph. Now you, you mentioned that that all of this started two years ago when you were at a conference in the Ukraine and you said, you know, we, we need a, we need, or what, mm-hmm. what, what would happen if there were trans creation tools? Now it's a reality. What are you thinking about today? Um, 
that, that we should be thinking about for two years from now? Uh, uh, do you mean in, in, in the uh, transcreation technologies or in general? General product development, whether it's software services, language services, what would you like to see? Um, uh, I, would like, I would like to see uh, mm, a lot of uh, connectivity between tools. I, I, I want to be able to, if I have a, an idea or if I have a need to connect a tool that is needed right now for me in my localization process, I want to be able to connect it as fast as possible. So, uh, uh, and uh, yes, uh, uh, availability of connectors in different tools if we are talking from the technical uh, technical point of view, is uh, really, really important, uh, but it's not a secret. It was uh, mentioned many times, uh, and but I feel it uh, uh, from my own experience that the more tools are interconnected with each other, the more uh, uh, added value it gives to your clients, to, to your users. Uh, and I see it already happening. Uh, translation management systems in, are integrating a lot of uh, new uh, machine translation tools, uh, project management tools. Uh, and I see that the pace is growing. It's, everything is being developed uh, faster and faster. And I even can't imagine Maybe what I think I would love to see in two years will be available at the end of this year. Mm. You know, uh, I want, yeah, I, I, I want to see the integration between translation memories and machine translation. Because as you know from the statistics, uh, if you read the papers, translators, if you, if you have a good uh, custom machine translation engine uh, models connected to your localization flow, Many translators prefer uh, machine translation results over the even 100% uh, matches from translation memory. So this is uh, this integration, this switch from translation memory plus machine translation into one uh, generic uh, uh, generic tool, generic linguistic asset. I guess it's something that is not now already being developed, maybe even uh, uh, on your side. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you're uh, you're um, preparing a surprise for all of us. Uh, <laughs> we will see it. I see. Yeah, in the uh, the conference that you amazing conference you had uh, last week, and a lot of uh, really insightful uh, uh, speakers, and uh, you presented the new tools uh, for. Um, uh, you presented new uh, glossary management tool, uh, your neural machine uh, translation uh, tool, and it's amazing. Glossary, and then uh, uh, Uwe talked about glossary management, and it was in line in line with what we are expecting from uh, translation management systems. Yeah, we. I thank you for for the compliment. We had so much fun putting together that event, and if you haven't seen it, or if you haven't seen all of it, you can get it all on demand at smartling.com/slash/conference. 
And I would say, uh, sorry, go ahead, Joseph. No, no, I'm listening to you. Yeah, yeah and and uh, we, you know, I, the, the 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 machine translation component is obviously big, right? We're 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 looking into this in, in many different ways and angles, and I think you're spot on to say, you know, the 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 content you've already professionally translated should be used when machine translating content. It just makes so, sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because you you know there is a lot of. Um, mystifications around machine translation in uh, not only in our industry but all over the world uh, uh, so uh, two main mystifications about the machine translation as I see them the first one when people think that they can use a generic machine translation to translate all of those uh, all of their content or all of their need without uh, using uh, humans, to check this. Indeed, for some language pairs, for some content, uh, it works. But uh, when people start thinking that they can use it in business for, for, for their business needs straight away, uh, not without uh, fine-tuning, without being checked by, it's, a, it's, it, it's an error. And another error, uh, another uh, mm, uh, Another error that uh, people commit when talking about machine translation, uh, I'm talking about translators themselves, they still afraid that machine translation is going to replace them. And uh, they uh, oppose uh, in, in machine translation integration. And they think that this is this tool that should never be used by professional translators. Uh, my I don't see it as my role in life, but I do want to demystify uh, these two uh, points. I want that our translation community, freelance translators, uh, in-house translators, understand that machine translation is a tool like Microsoft Office, like SmartLink, like Windows OS or Mac OS, just a tool. Just a tool that they need to master and uh, perform better. That's 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 what I want. Uh, uh, that's what I try to. This message I try to convey every time I speak to my colleagues, uh, because uh, I've been using machine translation uh, at some uh, at some volume uh, throughout my career for different needs. And I understand that this is a tool, and I see what we can do now with this tool. It's amazing, and it's been available to most of people, and you can customize it. You, you can choose the best that suits your needs. So just why not using it? Why opposing it when you can benefit from it? Do you do you still? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I, I relate to an awful lot of that, Joseph, especially about demystifying and... Mm -hmm. That because MT is not a new thing, and even neural MT is not a new thing anymore. Um, do you still do you still do you still feel that fear is amongst the translating community, even though even though it's it's you know we're so far along in that conversation? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, a couple of months ago. I was in a in an online group with freelance translator, freelance translators. 
and they were talking about uh, machine translation for subtitles. And it was uh, a big, uh, a big discussion. People have, uh, first of all, they fear that their rates will go down mm. if uh, companies start using machine translation. They they have fear that they will have to do more job by uh, post editing machine translation and getting less money. Uh, so others uh, fear that at 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 the moment they will uh, not have uh, this job anymore because the machine translation will, will uh, companies will just uh, replace them uh, without uh, without uh, actually uh, thinking about quality. Mm. Uh, so this conversation is still ongoing, and a huge a huge number of uh, there is a huge number of uh, translators. Uh, that uh, still have fears and oppose this. Do, do you think it's? Do you think there's danger of um, that fear driving people out of our industry? Mm, yes, yes. I I I, I think that uh, this fear may not bring new people to our industry. When uh, young people uh, choose their ca- careers, they now see uh, and hear from different sources that machine translation is getting better and better. And they think, if I invest five years into translation studies, studying languages, translation technologies, translation uh, mechanization techniques, and then I come and uh, machine translation will replace me the next year, why would I go there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what. That's what is happening now. That's what we... And what we, do we need to do as a community? Do we need to be better at how we're articulating what we're doing, um, what the reason for particular strategies are to our wider community? How do we, how do we counter this? Uh, I, uh, I think examples of uh, successful translators yeah, I say successful. Yeah, the translators that who are still in this mm. uh, industry, who earn enough for living or more than enough for living, who uh, present themselves as a person uh, doing what they like and making enough money for living. Uh, talk uh, so life examples of people in the industry who are still here and who doesn't fear. And who uh, can serve as an example? Yeah, they're only personal examples. No words, no articles. No, I, uh, only only personal examples. Personal. I think stories. that's a really good point you make, Joseph, because it's it's generally the LSPs or clients or SLVs that are that are doing this communication on behalf of the community. Maybe it should be the actual translator to translator, translator, yeah. To translator. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Sure. No, that's, why, that's why I try to go to the conferences as yeah. much as possible. As much as possible, it's it's not possible now. But yeah, this year I will be presenting at three conferences. Uh, mostly, mostly now about business, about processes management, machine translation. But also, I I I want to talk to people. I want to, I want to to talk to them and explain them that. Uh, Yes, maybe we won't need people in the same role. I mean, not we, the industry won't need people in this same role 
at the same volume we needed before, but we still need humans. If we want to feed the machine with uh, uh, data, there should be quality human-generated data. We need first humans to do this. Then we still don't want to, we need to, them to control processes. Uh, so do translations. So a lot of uh, soft skills to have. So there is a lot to do for many years in our industry. Maybe less of translation, but still, but still. Well, Joseph, we certainly appreciate that you are our partner in this effort. We will continue to do our part in developing world-class software services and language services to enable Wix and, and our other customers and the marketplace to uh, enable their business. And we couldn't be more grateful to have had you today as our subject matter expert and guest on The Loke Show. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much for this talk. It was really interesting. And uh, thank you to SmartLink for, for your great tool that we really appreciate. And your uh, team is amazing and helping us a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thanks so much, Joseph. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, Gavin. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Joseph, for being such a fantastic guest here on The Loke Show. Gavin and I are so appreciative of your time, your expertise, and all of the knowledge that you've shared with us today. If you loved this episode of The Loke Show, do us a huge favor and leave a five-star review on your podcast player. It goes a long way to recruiting amazing guests like Joseph to the show. And if you want to learn more about uh, SmartLink, specifically if you want to rewatch the conference that we just had a number of weeks ago, head on over to smartling.com slash conference. We'll see you next time. Take care.